Hello, everybody. I'm Pat Spaulding. It's my pleasure to introduce two of our, I mean, interview two of our storytellers here tonight, Jim Ryan and Tom Osberg. Jim told a very entertaining adventure story about grizzly bears, telling us that grizzly bears run really, really, really fast. And Tom, an adventure story about bees, titled, I Promise to Be Careful. Now, both of these stories have in common their desire to be physically active outdoors and take risks. That's why I thought that both of them would be interesting to interview together tonight, because not only do they get a lot of their recre recreational pleasure from being in the great out of doors and doing things that I think a lot of us would consider a bit risky, but um, they also make art. Jim has some wonderful painting that he's started to do, oil paintings, of raptors in particular now, and raptors being birds of prey that uh, are a little scary in their own right, but beautiful. And Tom, in the last year, has focused on creating uh, a lot of stories, and he's done some photojournalism. He, he has a, a lovely blog and website. At the end, I'll give you their website information so that you can write it down to check it out, because uh, you'll be glad you did. Now, I think I'd like to start the conversation about things that both of you might not have been able to fit in the stories. We have the 10-minute format, and so you had to edit out some things. And Jim, I'm kind of curious about your bear experience. What other, are there some details that you might have included if you were able to, but you had to edit them? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that, that event itself, the whole, the second event in Alaska, really kind of changed my life and changed my, my attitude towards the outdoors and to animals and to nature. Um, and it kind of really solidified like my place in nature because on the food chain. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, literally, it was like, yeah, you know, I'm just an observer here. We're just, and these guys are in charge, and and they deserve to be here, and they 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 own that place. And we always before that was like, oh, well, you know, I own it, and we own it, and park rangers get in the way, and you know, we allowed to go anywhere we want and build trails and roads, and and then after that encounter, it was like, oh. This is not the way it is in real life. And it humbled you a little. Yeah, and it also gave me a, a respect for um, uh, just uh, particularly, you know, uh, animals of prey um, that there are not that many, so, you know, out there. And there aren't that many because humans uh, tend to see to it that they reduce the risks. Yes, that they tend to shoot them. <laughs> and so uh, that's how... Grizzlies have uh, kind of used to be a lot more. There used to be a lot more wolves, and and over decades of shooting them, they almost went extinct. And so um, now there's a lot going on to try to reintroduce them to different places. Uh, but currently, it's kind of crazy because um, you know they they are um, in Glacier in in Wyoming. They now took took it off, uh, took grizzlies off of the endangered species list. And um, and 
they got on there because of all the hunting and then they got off it and then everybody's celebrating because now we can hunt them. And, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then the Montana up where Glacier is, they're gonna take a vote next couple months to do the same thing. And um, in Alaska, they, were, they went off the endangered species list and then the state said uh, no to hunting. And then uh, the Trump administration overruled that um, and uh, allowed a hunting. It hasn't yes. started yet. But, and then, crazy enough, uh, the Secretary of the Interior was up in the Cascades in Washington talking about reintroducing grizzlies up there. Oh, okay. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe we can get a balance, but it's not looking too uh, straightforward here. Um, right. And you, Tom, your misadventure, adventure mm -hmm. tonight had to do with bees, which are also a little environmentally fragile right now. Yeah, we have the their colony collapse disorder, they call it. So they're not sure why, but the bees' colonies are collapsing. They're disappearing and uh, not coming back to their hives. So we're losing a lot of our pollinators. And we totally need them. Yeah. Now you had mentioned to me that there is, um, and I've heard this before, that bees are actually being trucked around the country? Yep. Yeah, if you have a... The almond groves, they need lots and lots of pollinators, so you truck them to California, and then you truck them back for the apples, and then you truck them to Florida for the oranges. Now, is this a good solution? Well, it didn't seem to be hurting it, but it's just maybe that's causing a problem. I mean, I had an interesting story where we moved a hive 30 feet, and when, we, when the bees came back foraging, they went back to the place where the hive was, and they were just standing around until my wife, who had white on just like the beehive, walked by it, and they all followed her back to the new place of the beehive. So they have kind of a gyro. When they come out in the morning, they do a figure eight. You can sit there and watch them, and they'll do a figure eight, look at the sun, and then they'll take off in a straight line. And if they don't get their gyro right, then they, don't, they can't come back to the hive. So we're not sure what moving them from California to Florida to New England does to them. It might be okay if they come out in the, day, in the night, if you move them in the night and they come out in the daytime, but that might be causing it. There's other factors, too. That sounds kind of confusing. So you, if I were a bee, I would definitely be confused. Yeah, <laughs> I would, too. Now, you have hives at your home because you're... Encouraging pollinators, and mm -hmm. I mean, this is... Or my small part is to have a couple hives. Good. So, And you had said something about um, there was a bee that... Oh, yeah, there's different types of bees. Oh, yeah. So we have different, uh, we have, uh, like, Minnesotans, which is, and then you have... Garrison Keeler bees. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they live so in there's, Lake Wobbegon. There's Italian bees, which are much friendlier, but aren't as hardy <laughs> in the winter. And the ones I was telling you about were Russian bees. And the Russian bees are, have kind of a boundary around. They're a little bit more aggressive. Should we question them more thoroughly? <laughs> <laughs> and when you come, I, I was shocked. The first beehive I had, when I approached the beehive, within six feet, one bee came out, and it head-butted my chest. And I stepped back. And then it head-butted my chest again. And I stepped back, and I was outside the six-foot circle, and then it just flew back. And I looked it up online, because I'm an expert online, yeah. right? And uh, sure enough, they have this aggressive behavior, a six-foot zone, 
and they will headbutt you <laughs> to get you out of the way. Because well, if they sting you, it's the death sentence to right. them. They will headbutt you. That's, that's amazing. That was a Russian bee. The Russian bee. Oh. Italians are friendly. <laughs> uh, the the, the uh, Corniolans and the uh, feral bees, they're a little more aggressive, but they're cleanly. They clean their... So they, each one of them has... We're trying to find the type of bee that cleans its hive, that gets rid of the mites. There's the mites that carry diseases and cleans the hive the right way and is winter hardy. So it's everybody's trying to do their part and figure it out. Minnesotans are from the University of Minnesota. They're doing Russian and Italian crosses with corneolans, trying to find the right ones. It's all very interesting. That is. That's fascinating. I'm... Um, planning to plant wildflowers, because I don't want to really deal with anything too complicated, but I figure wildflowers, maybe some bees yeah. will like that, and oh, so that's yeah. a little step. That's a good step. What can we do to save the grizzlies, Jim? Anything, <laughs> any suggestions? Well, I mean, it's, the, the attitude has to change regarding um, trophy hunting, and mm. uh, just because, uh, you know, there's kind of an attitude of like, well, you know, we're in charge and we have guns, we can shoot them and it's going to be a small period of time and we'll call the pack, I uh, mean, the, the, the bears. But what happens is when you shoot them, you, you don't shoot like the weak and the frail, you're shooting any bear indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. And that kind of screws up the whole dynamic and, and uh, of uh, survival of the fittest and they, that can help speed up um, them going right back into being extinct. Um, I think actually what both of you are doing with your stories is you're bringing attention to these things. I mean, the last time I thought about grizzly bears was probably in the mid-70s when I went to Yellowstone Park. And actually, I had a bit of an adventure, too. It was right after that book, Grizzly, came out. There was a book that um, had to do with attacking uh, couple of young women or something like that. It was kind of scary. And so I went to Yellowstone and my mother was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And we did, we saw bears. I don't think we saw grizzlies though, but we, we saw bears and I remember diving into my tent. Yeah. But, safe um, place. Pardon me? A real safe place. Yeah. It, it's kind of amazing that we, you're talking about th those funny little safety things and um, yeah. <laughs> a bell, a bell. <laughs> When I was actually in feeling like, oh, no, a bear, what do you do? It, you just try to get shelter. So, boom, the tent. It's no. fabric. Nothing can happen. Nothing no. did because the bear decided nothing. They, they weren't interested. And then they kind of I climbed a tree and probably got the food. I don't remember that specific. But hearing your story, um, it just gives us a, a visceral experience with grizzlies and the importance of uh, the fact that they exist and should be kept right. mm -hmm. and um, kept around because they're fierce and beautiful, like your raptor paintings are right. um, fierce and beautiful. If you look up Jim's paintings, which are jimryanart.net, J-I-M, R-Y-A-N-A-R-T dot net. You'll see these beautiful close-ups of raptors. Yeah. And uh, likewise, Tom, you are creating stories from 
your adventures. Both of you are doing a great job just mm, taking us there. And I think that um, you've got a wonderful website with pictures and stories and a blog where you just muse on mm -hmm. life, quite lovely. You can find that at tomtalltales.com. Um, so I think that just by the fact that you both are evaluating, looking at your experience and um, the environment, being outdoors, important to both of you, the uh, critters that you encounter. You know, um, I haven't had an experience directly with bears, nor I mean with grizzlies, nor do I desire to, but because I feel like I've done it through you, and I really <laughs> don't want to get that close to bees, but I'm glad that you're doing it intelligently and carefully, yeah. <laughs> I think so, um, so maybe. You guys are doing something really positive with your art in bringing stories and pictures of mm -hmm. wildlife. Yeah, I think that for me, the motivation has always been that top of the food chain kind of animal. And with raptors, you don't have to go to Denali. You can just go out in the backyard if you know what to look for. Mm -hmm. You can see them all day long. And um, it's a, it's, you know, uh, owls and they just live right here. So, yeah. um, and and the importance of these top of the food chain animals is can you know is is probably is not talked enough. Uh, talked about enough because it's um, they really help balance out the whole. Everything kind of flows out for, below them. Um, and and a good story like we were up in Alaska. We saw wolves up there, and that was a, before any wolves were down in the low lower um, 48, and then they introduced them at, in, in, um, in uh, Yellowstone. And so back just about around the same time. And, and since then, they just did a, some research about how they have impacted the environment. And they've actually had such an impact that the rivers are changing, you know, direction, because of all of the impact has changed the way the, the where the deer goes and, and where they eat and what's available and what grows now and is, mm. you know, um, what's growing and that these rivers are just naturally shifting uh, because of it. And so, you know, that's a fascinating story. So and the same thing, I think, with grizzlies mm. and owls and raptors, if you get rid of them, um, be, you'd be um, devastating to the environment. Yeah, we can't alter the environment based on our human... Right. Right measly little human activity, and the bees likewise. Yeah, how do we find out more about them except by kind of living with them? Living with them. Right. Exactly. Living with them. <laughs> well, not in your car. <laughs> in your house, no. But uh, you know. when we have them at home, honeybees, they have a bee line. And, and we've learned that you can have your beehive right, well, you wouldn't want it right here, <laughs> And they will just go back and forth, and you can sit right next to it with a cup of coffee and watch them go back and forth, and they won't bother you. Bees won't. Grizzlies, cup of coffee, sitting no, beside yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think that's in your story when that grizzly went after that uh, squirrel, was mm -hmm. it? Yeah. That was amazing. He only wanted the squirrel. Yeah. 
He didn't even probably see us, you know, until... But that was just amazing. That's know. right, because the vision wasn't very good. And to see something that big run that fast and the <laughs> muscles and everything was just... It was awesome. She, Barbara's right. She didn't get quite the danger situation right, but it was incredible. But we shouldn't kill them just because we're afraid of them. Exactly. So... Um, and with bees too, you know, it's bees are much smaller, but you know, these not it's scary because now we're seeing some changes in the environment that we're impacting yeah. that is gonna yeah. have serious consequences. The bees know. there's also the, the GMO flowers that we've produced that have uh, a genetically altered so that the uh, well insects bite the flowers and then they die. And they have tested them for bees, and the bees don't die, so they thought everything's okay. But now they've outlawed it in Europe because what they think's happening is it's building up mm -hmm. in the wax and the comb, and that's screwing with the bees' gyro, so it can't find its way home. So they fly out, get lost, and don't come back. Mm -hmm. And now you have a hive with a queen and just a few workers that die out. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So once again, we're we're altering our universe. Yeah. And we need act, activists and scientists. We can't stop. We can't like we can't bash stop. them. It can't be political. We can't stop progressing. And it has but to yet be, we have to be thoughtful right, about it. Right. You know, in the in you know the glaciers are another example. Like you know, we were at one in Glacier National Park. There's almost no glaciers. And when we were out there about 30 years ago, um, it was evident they were melting. And this was 30 years ago, and people weren't really talking about climate change at the time. But it was evident mm -hmm. that it was changing. And if you go to anywhere in the world, most of the glaciers are all receding and receded a long way. Um, so, you know, and but we just keep going, and and we just think a couple of years out. We don't think thirty years out. You know, thirty years years out from now, yeah, what happens if we don't have a, a sustainable bee? You know, you know. Well, right. I do think that uh, both of you are doing a pretty big service with the stories that you tell about the yeah. natural environment because I. You are both really excellent storytellers. Both of those stories were entertaining, and um, they gave us lots of information, you know, brought us to this other place, made me more curious about both grizzly bears and bees, and, um, well, going outside, too, getting outside <laughs> a little bit more often. And hopefully it brings people more to the websites, because I think we put more details. We only got 10 minutes, and some stories are five. Right. So the story websites actually have more details in them. Okay, so once again, a reminder, we have TomTallTales.com. You'll find stories and photographs from nature um, that Tom, all about Tom and his adventures, and JimRyanArt.net. J-I-M-R-Y-A-N dot net. I'm really glad to have talked with you guys. Thank you for your stories. Hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.